Now, what if I told you that if you spend 30 minutes on working on this part of your expertise, you will definitely move up on the student's favorite teacher list. Let's talk about it. All right, guys, let me say one thing before we get into the main part of the show. I always listen to my publishers, Buzzsprout's podcast as well, and they have basically told us that you can spend as much advertising as you want, you can market yourself any way you want to, but by far the best way to increase your listenership is word of mouth. So I've got a challenge for you guys. If you like the podcast, tell one or two other people. I'm not asking you to announce it. I'm not asking you to put out a flyer. Just tell one or two people, hey, I listen to this podcast. You might actually find it pretty good. And I think that will help us grow a lot. Now, I'm telling you what, we are at the peak of our listenership. We continue to get anywhere from 70 to 100 listens per day now. We have over 22,000 downloads, and it's really exciting. So if you could do that for me, that would make it even more exciting. Now, I'm getting ready to share with you of something that's kind of one of my little side pet projects that helps at both school And in general, we'll get to that just in a moment. It's kind of ironic when I I picked today's topic several days ago, I usually, now I always keep a list of topics. I try to think ahead so that I don't have to struggle at time to record. I actually, something come up and I thought about this on Monday and I said, okay, well, I'm going to push my other topics aside and talk about this one. And then I violate it the subject matter for the first time all school year yesterday. I'm recording this on March 27th, 2021. That's a Saturday. And yesterday, Friday at school, I violated it. You saw the name of the episode. It has to do with birthdays, names, and kids. All right. Now, here is where we're going to go with this. There is nothing that I have come along that means more to these students, nothing, whether it be helping them with their work, helping them even with a family problem or a school problem, you will get more accolades, more thank yous from them than anything if you remember their birthdays and their names. Now, sometimes it's going to be tough you go into often a different class every day. Now, I'll be honest, I'm running across more and more substitute teachers that as they get on preferred teachers list, they go back to the teachers a lot. And it's not, I would even venture to say that the majority of substitute teachers actually return back to maybe the same dozen teachers all the time. 
So if you fall into that category, this is going to work out well for you. I am not only going to stress the importance of birthdays, names, and what I call attic kids. I'll tell you what, I, you probably know what I'm talking about. We'll talk about this just in a moment. I have found that when I remember a student's birthday, it means so much to them. You can just, I haven't reminded anybody of a birthday yet where the big smile hasn't come over their face. Let me tell you, the current school that I'm in right now, since I have access to their infinite campus and I can look at the details of the roster, I actually plan ahead every week, the weekend especially, before the week, I look in those rosters, and if I see some birthdays that are coming up the next week, I make sure I call that student out in class. In fact, it's kind of nice right now. I've got access to the Google Slides account at my school that they keep an announcement sheet on, and everyone has access to it. So I can just go into the announcement sheet for the week and type that student's name and their grade, whatever information you want to share into that. And it means so much to them to see that come up. I keep some cheap candy in the room. I, I'm getting to a habit where I'm buying a box of airheads. It's amazing to me how much they love those things. But you can, I think it's like 60 to 70 for $9 on Amazon. So to me, that that pays dividends. Remember their birthdays. They will appreciate you for it. Here's what I noticed. Some of the kids that really don't participate any very much, if I remember their birthday, all of a sudden they're participating more. It's unbelievable. It will pay dividends for you as well. The other thing is names. Oh, my goodness. I had a student that it was, it's been a couple years ago now that I try to look through the roster before the students get there, especially if it's one that I'm having for the first time, and I'm looking for ways to pronounce names. It's funny, most of the time you can type a name into Google and type in pronunciation, and it'll play you an audio of the best possible pronunciation. That's not always the case, but I had one girl, her name was only five digits long, five letters long. Now, I won't say her name because she tells me she listens to this. So, But I would tell you, when I said her name correctly, it's almost like a, a shock came over her face. And she said, you're the first teacher to get my name correct. And then it was like she was helping me all day. So names, you've got to get their names correct. Not only get their names correct, but when you come back to class, here's the tough one, and here's where we'll spend the majority of the episode here in just a moment. I'm going to give you some tricks that I have learned that actually I have studied and read about remembering names. So we'll talk about that here in just a moment. You've got to remember their names. I violated that this week. I've got a class that it's large for a covid era situation, but yet it's not so large that we can't keep them apart the amount we should according to the CDC. So I don't want to say anything about that, but it's it's a little bit 
unwieldy, all those people with masks on at the same time. Sometimes I can't hear them. I hate to tell them to lower the mask. But anyway, what I practice on is remembering their names. And I do remember their names, but it just so happens, it was yesterday, I happened to call a kid by the wrong name twice. And he let it go the first time. Second time he corrected me. He didn't, he wasn't mean, but I could tell he was frustrated. And you never know. You might call a kid by the name of another kid who they don't particularly care for. That happens. It's bad that it happens, but it happens. So that makes it even worse. So there is no better way to remember names than to see the same kids every day, of course. But as substitute teachers, we're not always in that situation. So it is often difficult to do that, to remember names. But you've got to work on it. I'm going to tell you how to get better at it here in just a moment. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what I call kids. Same thing as what we used to call attaboys. Attaboys was a pat on the back. I hate to use that phrase anymore because we want to try to give equal status to all the genders. So I say kids when I'm talking about it in the school system. Here's my feeling. I hand out a lot of kids When they do a good job, I will pat them on the back. I will tell them they did a good job. I won't announce it to the class, but I'm not going to whisper it either. I know the rest of the class can hear me when I compliment a student. And all of a sudden, I see the actions in them where they want to be complimented as well. They want to compliment us, Mr. Collins. Now, I don't do it in a shallow way. If it's really not something to compliment them for, well, then I don't. Now, do I go out of my way to look for ways to compliment them? Yes, but you got to make it sincere. You can't just say, good job, over and over, and think kids are going to believe that. They will instead think that you're just going through the motions, that you say, good job, because you think you have to, and that's not going to that's going to backfire actually that's probably ha- going to have a worse effect but if a kid achieves something what i have found in my math classes and maybe it's easier to do this with math i don't know but we're in a situation now where you know cdc says we can be 3 feet apart now if we have our mask on so it allows me to at least crouch reasonably close to the student and help them And I don't just give them answers. I walk them through answers. I'll I'll say, what do you think this is saying? How would you approach this? And then I try to word it in such a way as to lead them to the correct answer, but yet in such a way that they feel like that they came to that conclusion without a whole lot of help from me. And usually they do. Sometimes they just don't have the confidence they need. Sometimes even the super confident students, when they're on a new project and they're talking to me, well, they're a little skeptical about what they're saying because they're so afraid for some reason of saying something wrong that they don't say anything. Now, I try to put them at ease. I try to let them know even when they say something wrong, I'll just say, Look at it again. Now, they know they're wrong, but 
but I haven't told them they're wrong. And a lot of times they'll look, you know, it's math, so they'll look at the number again. They'll look at the sign of the number again. They'll look at the operation of what we're doing, and all of a sudden it's just like you can see that light bulb glowing over their head. And it helps them. But the kids, that's where it's really at. They like to be told that they did a good job. Not artificially, but they sincerely did a good job. Even if I lead them to that good job, I'll say stuff like, perfect, you got it right. I'll say stuff like, keep that up. Maybe I'll even let you help with some other students since you look like you're going to get finished before them. You know, and they really like that. Even though if they're little, might be a little bit nervous about helping other students, they at least like the fact that I have the confidence in them that I think they could, in fact, help students. Now, if you think you're going to struggle with helping other students, don't tell them to do it. Because if they take it up on you, maybe it's going to backfire a little bit. But give them that chance. They truly appreciate that. And a warning about these next few minutes, I will step on some toes because I'm going to tell you this. If you're not the kind of person that likes to hand out good job compliments, well, I hope you're not the type of person that only hands out negative because I'm not crazy about that kind of people that always talk negatively all the time. They don't motivate the students in that way. If you're going to talk negative about something a student did, you better be prepared when that student does something good to compliment them for it. If you think they're such a bad kid that you never give them any compliments, well, they won't improve. They won't motivate themselves to improve and we have lost that child. So that's my soapbox, especially for kids that you have to deal with negative things most of the time. Go out of your way to find ways to sincerely compliment them about something, especially if it's about their work, but even if it's just a project like helping students or you in class That reaps remarkable benefits. So please don't be that person. You don't have to be like someone who only hands out positive comments. But if you hand out negative comments, you better hand out some positive ones too. In fact, I'll even say it this way. The kids that are positive all the time, as bad as this sounds, they're not going to need as many positive comments you might hand out a positive comment to a student that earns a lot of negative comments and then not hand out a positive comment to another student who does the same thing. Look for ways with a negative student to hand out compliments. They need that motivation. Compliment the positive students. Do it all the time. But find ways to compliment the quote, I don't throw anybody in a negative category, but to compliment those negative students, give them that motivation they need, and all of a sudden, they are not negative anymore. It works. Doggone it. Use that in life, too. Use it with adults. It works with adults, too. 
hand out sincere compliments. You know, with the, with the kids that often receive negative comments, look for ways that they're improving. Maybe they're not as good as some of the other students class-wise yet, but they have improved. Make sure they know how much you appreciate the effort they put forth to improve. Okay, so off of Soapbox now, and we'll get on to the little tricks now about remembering things. I like to call memorizing names as the absurd image tactic. If you want to call that AIT, that's fine with me. The absurd image tactic. When you meet a student, when you meet an adult, Try to look. You'll have to make a conscious effort. This is where these 30 minutes come in. It's just 30 minutes that will greatly improve your rank, in quotes, with the students. When you go out of your way to remember their names, they're going to love you for it. Here's what I do. Let me use a simple one. I'll go ahead and cross-promote. If this is not your kind of thing, that's okay. But I also do a podcast, a video podcast, with an audio version as well called The Church Debater and Preacher Mike, where I ask a preacher some questions. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask, and we have fun with that. We we joke around about it. It's not overly serious. We actually want it to be a bit entertaining. So Church Debater and Preacher Mike has a YouTube channel that you can find that on, but I like to use him as an example because he's a preacher. He stands up in front of people, and talk. So there are so many simple names. The simple names like Mike and Greg, those are the ones that are hardest to remember. So you need ways. The way people, I I, rec- I tell people to remember Mike's name is picture a microphone coming out of his neck. Now that is an absurd image, but tell me if that was so unusual that you're not going to forget it. You're going to mention, if you know a friend named Mike and my brother's named Mike, if you have a friend named Mike and you picture a microphone coming out of their head, you're not going to forget that image, are you? All of a sudden, it's kind of burned in your brain and you'll remember that person's name. The catch is to maybe think of a distinguishing figure. I will say this. I joke, and the kids talk, laugh at me all the time because they say they've never met a teacher who makes more fun of themselves, but I'll turn my head sideways and give them my profile and says, what can I do about a nose like this? But I'll describe my nose as as uh, like, kind of like a ski slope. And one of the kids told me one time, he said, you know, I can't get that image out of my head now that you described your nose as a ski slope. And now I picture you skiing, and that's the way that I remember who you are. I associate that image with your name in some way. For instance, since my last name is Collins, I might picture somebody calling to the ski lodge, and they'll remember my nose. They'll remember, all right, call, what's down? Oh, yes, Collins. And as absurd as that sounds, that will help. So, Think of a distinguishing feature when you run into a person and then associate a silly image with their name 
that will help you remember configured with that with that person's distinguishing figure. They've got pretty blue eyes, and their name is their last name is Smith. Well, maybe you picture a blacksmith hammering on a blue horseshoe, and maybe from their blue eyes, that's a way you can remember it. So that's what the absurd image. There is also a concept called memory palace. If you Google that, you will find all kinds of publications if you want to study it a little bit more. Memory is kind of one of my pet peeves. There's a way to remember numbers. There's ways to remember, I don't know, files and things you do and that you need to do in the order you need to do them, and it has to do with a memory palace. The one book that I read was written by a guy that had memorized pi, P-I, the calculation you use to calculate the circumference of a circle. He has memorized it to, I think it was over 500 decimal places. And if you t- ask him what decimal places 162, 163, 164, and 165 are, he knows them off of the top of the head using this type of method. So it's called a memory palace method. Basically, what you do is picture your the, the building that you are most familiar with. Most people picture their house, the way they come into the house, And the way it works is the first thing you see when you come into their house, maybe into your house, maybe it's a microwave. And you know that the first thing you have to do when you get home is to feed the cat. Well, that one's easy. Picture a microwave, a cat in a microwave. Now, as terrible as that sounds, you're not going to do it. You're only going to think of it. That is an image that is now burned in your brain. So you then turn the corner into the hallway of your house. The next thing you see, associate that with the next thing you're going to do. And you say, well, how does that help me at school, Mr. Collins? Well, easy. Maybe you have a seating chart at school. And you want to remember names based on the seating chart. You can do the same type of concept. Think of a memory palace. Think of your home. And then think of that student's name that you see first, setting next to maybe maybe if you have a bowl of apples, you picture that student's and their name as eating a bite of apple and make some type, it's going to be different with everybody, make some type of absurd image about that, and that will help you remember it. You'll never forget that image again, okay? So there is a lot more things I could talk about about memory palaces. I, When we have some leftover time, sometimes I share that with my students They think it's kind of funny, but yet they have to admit that they're not going to forget that now. They're going to remember things because of what I taught them. And if you just type in Memory Palace Puzzles, you can look at the origin if you'd like to, the history, and at the same time, you'll find all kinds of games maybe you can play in the classroom using a Memory Palace concept. So, That's it, guys. It is so important. You will, 100%, you will move up the favorite list 
for both the kids and the students if you remember names. Am I perfect at it? No, I messed up yesterday. But continue to work at it. The sad thing is, if you get old like me someday, you're going to forget more. Your recall is going to be slower. I'm always thankful when I have kids for a series of times, and then it's easier for me to remember things. I always joke that I might not remember it now, but give me 15 minutes and I will. And that's the honest truth. So memory palaces, look it up, remember it, and always remember how to hand out kids, make sure the kids know how important you think the job they're doing in that classroom is. Remember their birthdays, remember their names, and compliment them sincerely. Go out of your way to find ways to legitimately, sincerely compliment them, okay? That's it for this week, guys. We will see you next week on Substitute Teacher's Lounge. And just as a reminder, don't forget to share with your friends that you're listening to this podcast. Just one or two of them. That will help us a lot. See ya. Music provided by Ben Sound.